It's a mean world out there. And it's a mean rage. Let's change the culture. Let's change the way we think about this world. Let's have a hell of a time doing it. Welcome to Mean Age Daydream, a home for comedy, a home for some politics, and a daydream of a world that doesn't suck. I'm Brian McWilliams. Welcome to this mad world. Welcome, everybody, to Mean Age Daydream. <coughs> I love it when you have to call for it to start the show. But let that be your welcome to an episode that I recorded once, as you know, got deleted. Well, it didn't get deleted. I accidentally hit the mic button, turned it off. Let's make sure the mic button's on. Yes, the mic button is on. We're all good, everybody. So let's go into the topics that I did the first time without realizing that they would never come to light. And uh, it might be a little shorter, short episode today. I am, uh, God damn, it has been one day into this shortened week. Happy Labor Day, commies, by the way. Happy Labor Day, union lobbyists that uh, ruined many of our industries here in America. Hope you enjoyed your day off. And I hope all the rest of you enjoyed the day off, too, if you had it. But one day into this week, and last week I had gotten a bit of a body blow, right? I'm talking about my uh, my personal income. And then today, Tuesday, when I'm recording it, get another one. So that was fun. Fun way to start the week. And again, these are both out of the blue. Out of the blue. Did not expect them. Did not see them coming. Just rug pulled out from a new type of stuff. So that happened. Then, of course, my daughter got sent home from daycare. She's puking, 102 fever. So that was fun. She's uh, She's now home. And my wife is set to give birth this Thursday. It was originally supposed to be next week. They moved it up. All good. Should be fine, right? No problems. Should be the greatest, you know, uh, one of the greatest weeks of my life this week. But as I said, just starting off real shitty. And uh, I'm a little, little under energized at the moment because of it. So I will tell you that. And, uh, you know, it doesn't help that it's just, it's just been a stressful time. So. Suffice to say, I will give you a little philosophical, uh, you know, way to start the show here. You know, I try to keep things on the more positive side. And uh, I do definitely view everything in life as a cyclical motion, right? I was riding high. I was fundamentally doing fantastic. My finances were in order. Everything was going great. And then just out of nowhere, this shit goes sideways. And I do think that it just has a happen of working that way. You know, when we talk about the economy now, granted government interference and printing trillions of dollars obviously has a massive amount of influence on economies. But typically, you'll have people take uh, credit for an economy doing well, right? You know, Clinton, oh, it did so great. And Trump, oh, it's great. Well, these things are typically cyclical. You know, there's only so much influence you can really have. And I think that that's just kind of a natural cycle of everything. I think that with uh, the way in which my own life goes, when you know things are going great, I always expect that they're not going to continue that way. Not that I'm a pessimist, but I think you have to be a little bit of a realist when it does come to these things and realize that it's not all going to be wine and roses forever. And uh, as such, I am hoping that cyclically, I've taken these body blows and uh, the timing. Why is my fucking camera going in and out of fucking focus? You, mm. Anyway. I'm hoping that cyclically, 
You know, I'm crossing off the X's here. Good. Took some shots, caused a lot of stress, took me out of it for a minute. And that moving on, especially on Thursday, all things will be made right again. You know, the universe had to even things out, had to take me down a notch. That's just fine. So best wishes for me, from all of you, I hope, towards a, a healthy new baby girl. And uh, I will, of course, be quite distracted, but you will still get your episodes. I, uh, I pledge you that, including the bonus. And uh, might miss some Good Morning Fuckhead rants, obviously, on uh, Thursday morning. Probably not going to be able to get to that. Friday morning, definitely not going to be able to get to that. Uh, but after that, should be good to go. And you guys can listen to those by going to patreon.com forward slash lions of liberty or lions of liberty.locals.com. You can join as little as five dollars a month, get access to all the bonus content, including the good morning fuckhead rants, including degenerate gamblers, which has just started back up again. You might see my name if you're watching the video is Brian King of Gamblers. And unfortunately, last year I was second because our friend uh, Toad. Some of you may know his true name, but Toad plays in our league and has been a longtime uh, member of the Pride, the Patreon group. So he actually managed to beat the Lions. And if you beat the Lions in our game, you actually win a free T-shirt. So congrats to him. But I, once again, will be king of gamblers this year. So guys, get in on that. It's a funny show. We basically recap some of the dumb shit that happened. I'm sure I'll be talking in, uh, in more gregariously uh, ridiculous terms about everything that's happened to me uh, this past week. I'm sure I'll tell some tales about watching my wife uh, pop out a new baby. It's funny. Check it out. Patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. Now, other thing I want to tell you at the start of the show is sponsored by Galactera. Galactera's got some awesome gummies help you sleep, you know, nighttime sleep gummies. They also have some THC Zero tincture products, which after having the week that I've had, I am very happy very happy to have received in the mail today, guys. Check these out. They got awesome Blue Dream. Looking forward to trying that. And you can get 30% off by using promo code LIONS, L-I-O-N-S, at galactera.com. And I will spell that for you. G-A-L-A-C-T-E-R-R-A.com. And uh, yeah, check them out. If you're uh, worried about, you know, keeping up your late night uh Shaking in your bed for fear that narcotics aid is going to be kicking in your door. You know, the ATF might be coming after you as we all are. Well, these will help you get to sleep. So check them out again, galactera.com. Now, getting into the topics here. So Joe Biden, I don't know if you guys caught it, gave a little bit of a divisive speech the other day. And you've probably at this rate, because you know, a lot of times the timing of this, you've probably heard six different episodes on this. Uh, I'm not going to rehash every bit of the speech, but I will say it was without a doubt quite a departure from the Joe Biden that ran on unifying a nation, which he had repeated ad nauseum to a man who has gone up there, gives an entire speech, which by the way, just to let you know where people fell on this speech, maybe they knew what was to be expected in it. And probably most of the networks did, because a lot of times presidents will actually share the contents of speeches in advance, but maybe they didn't. Most of the major networks did not run his speech, given on Thursday, right? Decided, we're not going to do it. It's not worth their time. Actually, let me see here. 
I will read you exactly. So broadcast networks passed on carrying Joe Biden's speech in Philadelphia as the president cast. This is from Deadline Hollywood, by the way, which is if you if you're curious, Deadline Hollywood is a very left leaning site because it's based in Hollywood and predominantly talks about the entertainment business. But even they have to admit that this was a very divisive speech. So they say it loud and clear. His speech in Philadelphia, the president cast MAGA Republicans as a threat to democracy. ABC decided not to run it. They ran Press Your Luck instead. One could argue that Joe Biden also was pressing his luck with his speech. CBS went with a Young Sheldon rerun and NBC with a Law and Order rerun. CNN and MSNBC, of course, carried it, as did news division streaming networks. But Fox News stuck with Tucker Carlson. So, you have Joe Biden going up there, right? This speech, and, and let's remember what's going on in the world. You've got Ukraine, you've got uh, an issue with China, you've got massive spiraling inflation, you've still got COVID issues, you've got issues with the vaccines that are still rolling out. You've got all sorts of different things that you could discuss that would be more interesting to the well-being of average Americans. What does Joe Biden talk about? MAGA Republicans lambasting anyone that doesn't agree with him as essentially enemies of the state and a threat to democracy. Now, <laughs> again, I don't think that's going to bring anybody in and unify the nation, but he also is doing this on the backdrop of a blood red, almost like a video game character. I mean, it was, it was like watching the evil guy in bad dudes, you know, or double dragon give a speech. It was something that was so out of a movie cliche that you have to shake your head and say, who the fuck would have thought this was ever a good idea? And they've got him flanked by two soldiers, two Marines standing to either side at attention. It looked like the speech a dictator would get. It looks like speeches dictators have given. And of course, people took a image of Joe Biden with two hands, two fists in the air and put it next to Hitler. And one has a hard time not seeing why they would do that. At the same time, Joe Biden in the speech casts MAGA Republicans and MAGA voters. Remember, it's not just MAGA Republicans in the Senate. And he's been asked for this, not just in the Senate. No, everywhere, right? At least that's what we have to presume. Because when you just give a speech to the nation and you say MAGA Republicans, well, one must presume that you mean everyone that voted for the MAGA agenda, a.k.a. Trump voters, which is half the nation, or at least half the voting nation. God knows how many people also support him that have no voice to speak up or don't want to go to the polls and don't want to weigh in. I'm just double checking that this mic is on. Okay. Uh -huh. <laughs> just double checking, guys. So... He goes up there, accuses MAGA or MAGA Republicans and their fans of, uh, of voters of electing authoritarians. Now, this comes as quite the allegation, considering the fact that Joe Biden and the regime under Joe Biden has, of course, put in the mo most authoritarian crackdowns, lockdowns, uh, measures to combat, quote unquote, extremism in an authoritarian manner, a.k.a. domestic spying apparatus, a.k.a. controlling uh, information flow, a.k.a. pressuring different organizations and private companies to censor information that is harmful to the government. I mean, it's essentially the same kind of thing that China and Russia are doing, pressuring search engines to to uh, suppress results. This is the action of an authoritarian regime. Giving speeches like this, saying that anyone who doesn't vote with you as your agenda and support your political party is a quote-unquote extremist, which in our current environment equates you as an enemy of the state because extremism is a term defined by the state and invented by the state. Well, 
That's the operation that pretty much every dictator has taken on. The first thing every dictator does is categorize their opponents as dangerous extremists and enemies of the state. And that certainly seems like that's what Joe Biden's done. Now, this should come as no surprise to anybody. He laid out the plans very clearly early on. And I was warning you all about this because I told you what Joe Biden's done. Instead of taking extremism, making it into a legislative means or manner, which can be argued and debated on the Senate floor, he instead outwardly not outwardly, uh, instead outsourced, sorry, the battle in extremist tracking, uh, the extremist uh, defining of terms and reporting to social media companies, to Google, to Facebook, to Instagram, to Twitter, etc. This was intentional because he knew he would get around people pushing back and saying, look, this is blatantly unconstitutional. You're spying on people because instead of going and dealing it with an NSA or an in-house operation, which Obama was exposed for, again, completely unconstitutional. Well, now he's outported it or outsourced it. I can't say that word. He's outsourced it to private industries because the government's still paying, but they can do it instead. This is the next step now, is broadening what the definition of extremist is. So then they can report it back to the internal apparatus and they can go after these people. Now, whether or not that's going to result in more Michigan government, you know, general, uh, I can't talk. But this is, what, this is what happens when I get a little bit depressed, guys. My brain stops working. I think it's not just me. Depression causes a lot of issues when people talk about thinking and brain fog. It's just a symptom of being pissed off and sad, which I am right now. But I got to get out of it. Having a kid in two days, and that's good news. Anyway, the FBI is setting up this Gretchen Whitmer kidnapping, you know, for the governor of Michigan, one of which you know, completely acquitted. Actually, most of them completely acquitted of this because it was a scam. But again, setting them up as extremists, working within the apparatus that exists to work with social media companies, find out which these extremists exist, which is now half the country, circumvent the actual legal proceedings and instead report them back to the FBI that can then go and foster more real reasons for them to go after them. Like, for example inflaming them, creating uh, groups in which they can all take part in that use violent rhetoric, uh, encouraging them to take violent actions, etc. All of which happened at the behest of the government in order to target their enemies, take them out and undercut them. This is what is happening. And Joe Biden is most definitely doing it intentionally. We know this because when his press secretary is asked about it, she also doubled down, granted, in the most idiotic fashion possible, by saying that if you don't agree with the current prevailing thought of, I don't know, the mob, that you are now somehow an extremist and thus an enemy of the state. So this is clearly a talking point. This is the democratic strategy going to the midterms. But I don't think it's going to be a good one. I think the vast majority of people who did witness this were pretty shocked. Even democratic operatives within CNN and MSNBC and all these other uh, you know, news outlets were pretty fucking shocked by this. Tweeting out who thought this is a good idea. Why would they ever do this? I can't believe this just flat out looks bad. And now look, guys, I didn't watch this speech live. I've, I've seen the snippets. I've read the reports. You know why? Because I know it's propaganda. Most people know that these speeches are pure propaganda and they're going to react in that, you know, basically accordingly. That's why these news outlets didn't run it. They didn't want to damage the brand, right? ABC, NBC, CBS didn't want to damage their brand with consumers who are sick of being politicized, right? The same reason that Disney owned Hulu turned down ads from Democrats that were too divisive going after different issues like abortion and all this other stuff. They were like, no, thank you. 
fuck off, Democrats. We don't want those ads because our consumers, not just Republicans, our overall consumer base is sick of being politicized nonstop. They're sick of being lambasted. They're sick of having issues pushed in their face nonstop. And we don't want that. They're, they're disengaging. ABC, NBC, CBS. Now, I give them credit for this, saw that and decided this isn't for us. The question still is, did they get the speech ahead of time? Did they know what this was going to be about? And was that was that decision based upon that or just based upon Joe Biden is unpopular? And Joe Biden is probably going to embarrass us here. And we know that most of the people are not going to watch his speech. Anybody that does watch this speech and buys into it without realizing they're politicized is a fucking imbecile, right? To, to think that this speech, which Joe Biden gave, again, supposedly... Just to, 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 to clear the air, right? This is a non-political speech. I'm just speaking because I believe our democracy is under attack. Okay. <laughs> well, I believe our democracy is under attack, Joe, by people like you. I should, I should say our republic is under attack from people like you. People are spending this into oblivion. People that are willing to hand out $300 you know, billion in student aid to people that, right, number one, don't really need it because, again, the target area is, is, is well, actually, I don't even want to fucking get into this. It's too old news now. Point being, spending us out of, out of any sort of being able to save, uh, targeting foreign nations for billions and billions and billions in aid while ignoring people's basic needs for infrastructure at home, being unaccountable for any of the violent rhetoric and actions that stem from that rhetoric that occurs, and, of course, Ignoring, they always talk about the rule of law, but we're talking about ignoring the rule of law in almost every circumstance when these people actually have power and want to simply abuse it and get what they want. So I'm sorry if people are going to react in the way that you would have presumed to a dictator getting up there, giving a speech which is full of vitriol and literally labeling half of the nation as extremists that are an assault and a danger to democracy. I just, I don't understand the tactic unless there's going to be something tangible behind it. As I said, by tying in the FBI, by tying in the uh, the apparatus that's actually going to go after and target these people. And if that happens, maybe we get the civil war that people are talking about, that leftists are talking about. Kathy Griffin was tweeting about how, well, you know, the only way to avoid a civil war is to vote for Democrats. Okay. <laughs> is that a promise, Kathy? <laughs> Are you going to take your your uh, machete and uh, go lock up people says it's real? Anyway, let's move on. Let's talk about the Ukraine a little bit here. I got into it with uh, Kathy Young over at Reason. And Kathy Young, of course, debated um, and lost badly uh, to Scott Horton, I thought, on the Ukraine issue of whether or not they should be funded. I didn't even realize that Justin Ramond, uh, Ramond, Ramondo, Oh, I hope I'm saying his name right. Rest in peace. But the former editor of antiwar.com, a uh, really fantastic uh, you know, writer, speaker, and thought leader in the anti-war and libertarian space, he had taken her out pretty severely in a nice column about war spending in the past where she had basically cheered on uh, the use of seizure of property. And this is before this, this Ukraine issue even cropped up. This is before the current era where they're actually taking over Russian oligarchs' property, uh, extrajudiciously, by the way. But she had argued that that was the way in which you have to combat things. And those would be effective sanctions. 
the most unlibertarian thing I've ever heard in my life. So without trial, without proof, right, without any sort of uh, any sort of actual proceedings, the United States should just go and take people's private property away because they're having an issue with the government that that person happens to be a citizen of. I don't care what you think you might know about that person's relationship with the government. I don't even care if they have a relationship with the government. Go and stealing their property before any actual hearing or ruling occurs is completely unlibertarian in every fucking possible way. It's unconstitutional. It is exactly what happened way back in the day that we fight against constantly. It's what we fight against constantly here in the old United States of A when we talk about police seizing people's property and keeping it or the FBI or the CIA or anybody. But yet she's advocating for it. But they got into it. She got into it with the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire. Now, I, at the last episode, you would have heard this when I was talking with Dan Smots and J.B. Lubin. I had said that I had issues with one of their tweets, right? And that was one where they tweeted out about the $6 million in the holiday, you know, $6 million minimum wage or you're anti-Semitic, right? That was what they tweeted out. That one I had a big problem with. Uh, the Megan McCain one, I thought... I don't think this is going to be achieving what they want to achieve here. But I got it. This latest one, it was a tweet with Zelensky and a little Hitler mustache. And what I thought was a pretty funny line, it said, what happens when you order your Hitler on Wish? Now, Wish is a Chinese website that provides shitty knockoff goods. Typically, the joke is, and it's pretty factual, too, if you ever try to get anything from there, you order something that looks great. When it arrives at your house, it's just a piece of shit. It's a knockoff piece of shit that looks nothing like what you ordered. I don't have them. I don't have any problem whatsoever with the Libertarian Party in New Hampshire tweeting out that Zelensky is a wish knockoff of Hitler. Because when you look at Zelensky's actions, right, when you look at working with Nazis, right, the Azov Battalion, when you look at his removing his political opponents and basically outlawing other parties to come into play, when you look at his complete corruption, when you look at his dictatorial manner of taking complete control of a nation and then taking time out to, you know, to really pat himself on the back, do these Vogue, Vogue shoots while his nation is being torn to pieces. When you look at his forcing men into joining their, their military, well, I don't know. That does really, that certainly seems like the actions of an authoritarian leader to me. I guess the only really touch point is, is it too much to compare him to Hitler? And we just came out of an era when everybody's been compared to Hitler. So I'm sorry, when did that become the line that you don't cross? That literally is the fucking defining line. It was the lowest bar that everybody took a step across in the Trump era. Trump was literally Hitler all the time. So now we've got a guy who has embodied Hitler more accurately than Trump could have. Again, through the various actions I've described, in addition to, I'm sure, 50,000 others that I don't know about. But saying that he is, number one, a guy that's working with Nazis, and number two, has removed people's basic liberties and is forcing them to do his bidding while operating a completely corrupt government, right, for one leader, the, the entire government at this point seems to be operating, which is corrupt to, be, to begin with, by the way. Ukraine is one of the most corrupt governments in the history of the world. They seem to be funneling off 60 to 70% of all the funds and everything that's coming in that country anyway. It's not re it's like reaching any, any of its actual targeted goals. I'm sorry, I don't have a big problem with them making that, that joke, that satirical observation. But Kathy Young did. 
And she and I got into it because she had said that she has a problem comparing a Jew to Hitler when he's defending his country against an aggressor. I'm sorry, I don't. Satire doesn't have to obey rules and norms, and we're allowed to mock. And this is what I said to her. I'm allowed to laugh at it. And, I'm, and I don't think it goes out of bounds to satire or make a joke about a leader who's receiving billions in war aid from the U.S. with no real benefit that I can see. And then I went on to make the point that I actually think that, in fact, our benefit to the uh, or our aid to the Ukraine could be arguably considered a war crime because all it is is elongating a war in which the people are being destroyed. I've talked about this ad nauseum. I won't go into it any further here. You've probably heard me talk about it in other episodes. But point being, there's no line that says you can't, you're not allowed to satirize a Jew who happens to be enacting certain policies and working with certain people that remind people of Hitler. And we can certainly make the comparison even if there isn't a direct correlation. You know why? Because it's a fucking joke. And that's why you can make it. That's why you can do it. And there's a lot of tweets you can have taken umbrage with that the LPNH puts out, but that's not one of them. I'm sorry. It's just, it's just frankly flat out not. And if you think somehow this has gone beyond the pale, then you need to reset your calibration because you are clearly in a fucking camp and you've lost your mind. You've lost your perspective. And I thought it was an embarrassing take for her actually as a reason. editor. Okay. Moving on. Next thing. I'm just going to check off these boxes. Oh, you know, I didn't talk about Mark leaving. Um, Again, not the best mindset to talk about this at the moment, but I mean, it's good for everybody. I think, you know, Mark's going to go off and do his, his thing. We're going to uh, keep lines going obviously. And we're going to, you know, maybe reinvent the brand a little bit. We're going to do a little bit more with it, but I think it was something that, you know, you can feel it when people start to lose a little bit of their zhuzh, you know, they start to lose a little bit of enthusiasm for what they're doing and the context of doing it. And, and we've been doing this together for a long time. You know, we did the website, you know, we launched the website way back when 2012, uh, maybe even earlier than 2012 and did all our writing and posting with the daily Paul Mark created the, uh, the podcast. And then of course, Odie and I came in and Odie added his originally felony Friday. And then about a year later, I think I came in with uh, electric Liberty lamp. But we've all been doing it a while. And, you know, you just get burned out. Get burned out. You know, Mark talked about COVID, you know, kind of changing his perspective. And that's fair enough, man. Fair enough. So there's no animosity whatsoever. We're still going to do a lot of crossover stuff between us. And, uh, you know, he'll be welcome on our shows. I'm sure we'll go on his show, his new uh, new show that he's he's putting out there. And uh, I think everybody, you know, should be happy for the change. Because I think it's going to end up better for all parties involved. And I hope you guys will continue to support Mark. I hope you guys will co- continue to support us. You know, if you uh, if you disengage from the podcast, and if you did, you probably aren't hearing this because uh, of Mark's criticism of the Mises Caucus. Well, come on back aboard. <laughs> but I make no promises that I will not criticize the caucus uh whenever it deserves it, just like I will uh, happily criticize the uh, Libertarian Party in New Hampshire, as I will also defend them. To, uh, to certain reason editors. So there's that. Now, getting back to the main topic of this here podcast. And, uh, and by the way, oh, well, one other thing I forgot to mention about the Joe Biden thing. I searched around because I was going to do a whole montage of late night talk shows and what they said about the Joe Biden speech. Because 
if there's anything fit for satire, right, if there's anything fit that you should be making fun of, it is the current president acting like Joseph Stalin standing up in front of this blood red background. As I said, make him out to be a video game. Put him in 8-bit Joe up there stammering and stuttering and then somebody can give like a power up of, you know, methamphetamines and then he can be like, you pony soldier! You know, he can perk right up again. You know, there's plenty you can do with that Joe Biden scenario and this bizarre fucked up speech. So I went and looked. I was Googling, right? Google around. What did they say? Couldn't find shit for Colbert. Now, Colbert, of course, just had Joe Biden on the show. Colbert will probably slobber Joe Biden's cunt under the uh, under the podium, <laughs> like like in that that scene from Police Academy where uh, they try to you know they put the hooker under the podium and she gives the police chief a blowjob. That's Stephen Colbert all day long. You know, every time, every time Joe Biden has a little, uh, you know, a little, uh, little senior moment, that just might be him coming in Stephen Colbert's mouth. That's all I'm saying. So he predictably had nothing. I looked up Jimmy Kimmel, couldn't find anything. Looked up, you know, just late night talk shows, any commentary, couldn't find anything. The only thing I could find from this ripe for satire softball that Joe Biden lobbed at them was James Corden. And he made the laziest joke. And I know it's shocking coming from somebody that looks like James Corden. that he make a lazy, lazy joke, but the laziest joke, which is that MAGA Republicans uh, watched the speech and then thought hard about what Joe Biden had said rationally and then responded. And he goes, I'm just kidding. No, they were watching Yellowstone. Somebody wrote that joke. Somebody wrote that joke. And thought that it was funny enough to put on television. That's how ridiculously biased, poisoned, slanted these people are. They can't even make fun of what is one of the most disturbing and, as I said, ripe for parody moments that has happened in the past two years, hands down. They should have, God, put somebody put an M. Bison outfit on Joe Biden. You know, have him, have him fight Rue. And Ken. All right. Last thing. Let me see. How long is this episode? Eh, actually, you know, it'll be about regular length. All right. Last thing. As the episode is titled, the, the great green goblins of energy are on the run. Now, why are they on the run? Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you why they're on the run. Because I think something's finally set to happen in the UK that is going to break the camel's back. It is going to be the straw that just snaps the spine in half. And it's not going to come from what you think. It's not coming from people's energy bills rising at home and being forced to burn their children's clothes and underpants for warmth, though that is certainly uh, potential for happening, especially in Germany where Russia is cutting back on their uh, Nord Stream uh, gas pipelines. But in the UK... I, and I had no idea about this until I read, read a recent article. In the UK, their grid, right, their power grid has certain companies that control certain sectors, right? There's like the Scottish uh, Energy Company or, you know, Super Scottish Energy or whatever it might be. A bunch of different ones, probably like five five different ones. Big power companies, right? And as we know, uh, as much as in the United States, these power companies tend to have monopolies given to them by, through crony capitalism by local governments. And you don't have much alternative when it comes to power outside of those specific companies. I guess you could potentially go with solar, but the UK, if you haven't noticed, is not the sunniest place at all times. So solar, not the most efficient thing. And good luck to any pubs that might want to put a windmill up. So 
What's happening is that because of the incredible increases in cost in the UK, because of green energy and the dependence on Russia for their energy needs, well, you're seeing costs increase between, I'm seeing you know, basic reports between 100% in some areas to 600%. 600%. Now, in the UK, they write contracts for multiple years. It's not like here in the US or I don't know. I don't know what other nations do, but it's not a month by month system. In the US, it's pretty simple. You go to the power company. Hey, I need power. Okay, you don't even have to have credit. You need power. Okay, we have power. Here you go. Sign it up. We'll turn your power off after eight months if you don't pay. Otherwise, you have power. Not so in the UK. In the UK, they have contracts for these business owners. And instead of paying month by month where, okay, if you can't pay one month, we'll threaten you and then we'll turn off the next month. No, they have two, three-year contracts and you're locked into the power amount. So what these contracts are doing or what these power companies are doing and their assessors, they're looking at these different restaurants and pubs in the UK. They're assessing whether or not they feel those pubs will be able to pay the contracted rate required of 100 to 200 to 600% increase in power over the next couple of years. And they're deciding, no, no, they won't be able to pay. So what does that end up? Well, that ends up with a bunch of Brits going down to the pub, finding out that their local watering hole is closed. Or maybe it has candlelit dinners, right? Because I guess if you're going to do it, you're going to try to pay your rent, keep your candles on. But then you're going to have none of your sports playing. You're going to have none of your footy matches. You're going to have a tough time getting your registers to work. So it's a pretty fucked up situation. But that is why I think it's going to have such a wonderful repercussion. Because if there's one thing that's going to fire up all these Brits, get them all fired up at these, it's going to be losing their pubs. Because like many places around, especially smaller towns, right? You've got certain hubs of the community. And while Facebook certainly is a thing, right? Is a town hall in the town center for certain people, the world's town hall for now. Well, in a lot of these smaller communities, the pub is the actual town hall, right? You've got your city hall, but then you've got your pub where everybody actually meets. Everybody goes for lunch. Everybody goes after work. It is the place where all of society congregates in these towns, one or two or three places. Now, if those places got to fuck off and can't survive because these power companies are assessing that they will not survive, that is going to be something that British society, which is so pub-based, so wrapped around that tradition, a proud tradition of going to the pub, you are going to see them fucking revolt. And I welcome it. Because if there's one thing that's finally going to push these people over, it's going to be denying their ability to get together and get pissed together. But just think about how you had to get to that point, right? To get to that point, you had to fuck yourself so badly with green energy initiatives that were unsustainable, with cutting off your energy alternatives even. No backup plans here, right? No backup plans whatsoever in the UK and in the greater European Union when it comes to power needs and power woes that these people now are going to force out. The report I read, 60 to 70% of pubs is what this report said. 60 to 70% of pubs in the UK could be forced to close either partially or full time because they're not going to have any power. So think about that next time you're having your Guinness or your uh, old speckled hen, my friends. All right. That's going to do it for the episode. 
Sorry, guys. It was a little bit uh, low energy, as I said. It's been a, a difficult start to the week. I'm very stressed out, and uh, I have a lot to think about, a lot of my plate coming up, as you know. But wish me luck. Next time we uh, we chat, I should hopefully have a beautiful, new, healthy baby girl. Um, no, no problems expected here on our end. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to it. All right, guys, that's it for me from Brian McWilliams from the Lions of Liberty Network and from Mean Age Daydream. Always keep those electric eyes on me, babe, and keep that ray gun to my head.